Prepare today for your transition tomorrow. I'm your host, Paul Pantani, and I want to welcome you to the Transition Drill Podcast. I'll be talking with guests about their career journey and seeking their advice to help those planning a similar change. My guest today is Rob Long. He's been a police officer for 27 years, and we've been friends for over 10. He's closing in on retirement, but just not there yet. Rob's one of the fortunate ones, though. He figured out early in his career what his transition was going to be. And since 2005, he's balanced being a cop and hustling in the real estate world. Hell, since starting, he's already closed deals totaling $41 million. I invited Rob to be a guest because I was sure he'd be a great source of information for those thinking about giving real estate a go. We talked about getting a real estate license, the demands of being in the real estate business, and his suggestions for getting into flipping houses. Spoiler alert, it's not as easy as they make it seem on TV. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's get into episode 14. Growing up, did you always know you wanted to be in law enforcement? Yeah. From yeah. like a little kid? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a, does it, in your family, is there law enforcement? No. No, I just, yeah, I, when I grew up, I, I knew. I knew I, that's, it was like cops, firefighters. I was kind of on the fence on both of those. And I, and then, then no, I just, out of high school, it just happened and things just happened. And Did, I got, was your family supportive of it? Yeah. So no, never any issues that no. way. Okay, cool. No. So you've got how many years in total now? So I started as a cadet in 92, Academy 94. What does that put me at now? 27? What are we at? 26, so you went, 27? I didn't, I didn't know you were a cadet. You, went, you know, I went the same route then. So yeah. it, was, it was kind of that thing of out of high school, what can I do until I'm 21 to be yeah. a cop? Well, I, went, I was playing football. And then, uh, nobody looking at you would think you played football. Yeah. Well, was, then I realized I wasn't, I was never going to make any money playing football. So, um, and it's, a, it was a lot of work in college. So I just pivoted and went and got a job as a cadet. So when you first came out of high school, your first thing was, uh, you actually just went to college. Went to college. Yeah. Just, just, just real briefly though. I mean, it was like high school out to college, started playing football, realized the, the guy ahead of me was his brother was playing at USC. And I was like, I'm never going to see the field. And this is a lot of commitment. And I was like, nah, I don't want to do it. And I basically quit playing football. And then just my dad, my dad was in a rotary club with a sergeant from a Brea PD department. And, and my dad said, Hey, my son's interested in law for, so I'm come down, went down, talked to him. He's like, you're, you're a great, you're a great candidate. He goes, I don't have any openings, but let me call my buddy down at, you know, my other agency. And, and called him. He said, send him down right now. And I was literally not prepared for anything. I drove down and <laughs> sat with him for like an hour. And he goes, hey, here's the application. You know, fill it out. We'll get you hired. Boom, and I was hired. So when you went into college, not on any type of scholarship? No, it was no, just no. a walk-on type JC. JC. Oh, okay. Fullerton College. Okay. Yeah, no. And so? I didn't want to leave. I wasn't trying to go anywhere. I, I wanted to stay in Orange County. I, right. I, I wasn't like, I want to go away to college to, you know. Wisconsin or <laughs> you know I'm, I'm, I'm like this is my home base this is my family I just want to stay here so then going into law enforcement uh, easy transition for you did you find yeah. it did you find it yeah no it was, for me it was I mean I'm competitive so it was you know catch the bad guy how do you catch the bad guy you know so to me it was like almost like I don't want to say it's a sport but it it is kind of because it's 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 strategic Right. You know, it's a strategic job. You know, you're trying to, they're trying to outsmart you. You're trying to figure it out and catch them. I mean, that's, that's how the, that's how the game works. And when, especially when you're a patrol cop, 
Right. So, uh, no, I just, I just embraced the competitiveness and then, and then the team, the team environment. I mean, I was, you know, it's, it's, it's a police works, a team teamwork. It's not an individual job. So I, I just, it was like sports. That's how, that's how I've always equated this job is it's like sports, you know? No, that's true. You go in and you're, you're, you're going with your unit, you know, that you work and you guys are doing everything together and you're trying to accomplish the goal and be safe. And Well, and our, for instance, our relationship to practical, practical example, you work a different agency, mm-hmm. but there's those times where, Hey, I need help. You reach yeah. out and, and it's about that network yep. of people that you can reach 100%. out to and say, Hey, my team's doing this. I need help. Yep. You know, how can you provide assistance to me? Yep. So the whole point of this podcast is about that transition away from law enforcement. Right. You're not there yet. You're closing in on it. Real close. <laughs> Wait, you checking the calendar right real, now? Real, real close, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a countdown timer on your phone. It's, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. The, but with that, the whole point of this is to, to get out, plan today yeah. for your tomorrow. Yeah, no, I get that. And so you're already there because you're already in the real estate yes. industry. Yes. How long have you been doing that? So I got into real estate in about 2004, not with my license, just trying to buy rental properties, just trying to get, I I always liked real estate. It was like one of the things I I bought my first house at 23. I lived at home until I bought my first house, never rented, never did anything. Bought my first house at 23, bought that. And then, uh, and then I, then I realized, you know, Hey, you got to, I read some books on, you know, rich dad, poor dad, some right. stuff on how to, you know, how you, how do you make money? So real estate was always one that was like, Hey, you know, that's, that's a good investment. I didn't know what I was doing. I just went out and tried to find things that made sense to me. Um, I really had no knowledge. I just, I just looked at numbers and was like, yeah, I think I could make some money and I could definitely make that payment. And I bought my, I bought like a, you know, I bought my first it was like a brand new home in Arizona and it was a total on, on a whim, bought it. They built it. I owned it for a very short period of time and sold it and made like 60 grand. I was like, okay, I took that 60 grand. I bought, I used 30 of it to buy a condo in Corona. I used another 30 to buy a, a duplex in Texas. And this was back, this was right about 2005 ish when they were giving loans to everybody. Right. And I, and I, I was like, wow, they, you know, it's, it seemed weird. I knew right before the crash, it, it, it seemed weird to me. And I wasn't even smart in real estate. I'm like, how I'm just a police officer. How are they giving money? <laughs> like, wh- how am I getting all these loans? You know? And, uh, but I just bought those two properties and ended up making another 60 grand on the Corona one. The Austin one was, yeah, it was just kind of whatever. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make, make anything. I didn't lose anything. It just was whatever. But that just got me kind of, and then I bought a dirt lot and some other stuff. I was just, just trying to get my feet wet. And then the market crashed and I got out of Corona right when the market crashed. Like literally I, I, I got, I bought, I got in that one because there was a guy I used to work with at, at my prior agency who, who ended up leaving the job, got in trouble, leaving the job, became a real estate agent, hit me up. Hey, we're doing a condo conversion. It was an apartment complex. We're going to do a condo conversion. He goes, are you interested in getting in? He goes, I'll get you in. I'll get you in at the, the lowest price and, um, you know, I'll get you in first. And I'm like, let me look at the, again, I didn't know what I was doing. Looked at the numbers. I'm like, yeah, I could afford that. And that's when I sold Arizona. 
you, I did a 1031 exchange where you defer the taxes. And so I didn't get taxed on that. Right. Moved it right into the Corona property. And then, uh, and then uh, I owned that for one year. I had a friend rent it. She paid the, paid the mortgage. One, was it one year? Maybe it was two years. It's two years. She was in it two years. And then uh, literally I, uh, I actually had a trainee <laughs> that I was training at Fullerton. He was looking to buy something. Said, hey, I got this condo. I'm going to sell it. He goes, perfect. And it was, it was something he could afford. He bought it. And then, I mean, it was, it was no more than one month, two months later, the market went boom. Wow. And I actually, there was a guy that I knew that was also owned a place in there. He, he didn't get rid of his in time. And everyone said that I was probably one of the last guys that, that I got like the highest amount. So I got in at the bottom and sold that one and sold at the top. I mean, it's just timing. I I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, but I got out of it and the market crashed. And then I was kind of like, you know, I had all these plans of like what I was buying properties and all this stuff. And I was just guys that there was guys at Florida that were hitting me up. Like, you know, how are you doing this? You know, I made 60 grand, you know, and this is a lot back in, you know, I was, you know, or 30 years old. And, and I was like, I, there was one guy that refied his house in Orange County and he went and bought 10, 10 lots in, um, across from Laughlin. Um, Oh, Bullhead. Yeah. Near Bullhead. It was or Fort Mojave. Fort Mojave. One, one, one of those. And he, and he's like, Hey, I'm buying 10 lots. And I'm like, you're doing what? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, you're crazy. And he's like, why? I'm like, that's, that's a huge gamble. Like that's a lot of money. And he ended up, he ended up, getting really like bad. Like he took money out of, he took the equity out of his house. Oh, so he ended up bottom and then everything tanked. And then, yeah. And I don't know where he ever, and I, I know he didn't do good. <laughs> I know, I know he lost a lot of, a lot of money, but you know, I wasn't that big of a risk taker. I was just kind of trying to a little bit. So you didn't there. have a, a mentor at all no. doing this real estate. Mm-mm, no. And then I just, then when the market was crashed, I kind of was like, Hmm, maybe I'll get my license, you know, and that, that way when I do my own deals, I don't have to pay commission. And I was right. just like kind of thing. And so I, took the license, the real estate license exam. And, and then I got my license and was just kind of waiting. And my cousin goes, Hey, help me. Can you help me find a house? And I'm like, yeah. And that it was literally like, I started messing around with the MLS. I had no idea what I was doing. I had, a, I had a guy that I put my license under, but he was just a one man broker. And I just put my license under him and he kind of told me, Hey, this is how you use the system. He just gave me like a tutorial. I had no idea what I was doing. Started messing around with it found some properties, went and showed my cousin a property in Norco and bam, he, he buys it. And then I, yeah, I mean, obviously he helped my, I had to get help right. writing it. Cause I'm like, well, what are these check boxes? <laughs> like, I mean, it's crazy. You don't know what you're doing. You have zero idea about a, a residential purchase contract, you know, like what are all these, what are all these sayings and terms and, you know, check boxes, you know, there's their contracts. So, so something as significant as that, who did you go to for, was it easy to find somebody to help you? I used my broker who was a buddy of mine. Okay. So, I mean, he helped me. And, w- and actually, once you do a couple of them, it's not that bad. There's just a lot. There's a lot in real estate to, to know. You know. Well, it's the whole contract aspect of it. There's, 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 you know, this is not buying a car, you know, right. and I, and I always tell people like, you know, be careful who you use. I mean, you know, I mean, I had to start somewhere too. I didn't know what I was doing. It was, luckily it was my cousin. Right. But you know, you know, there's tons of agents out there. Everyone's getting their license. You know, it's, but you really got to find someone that can mentor you. And I didn't, I didn't really <laughs> have that mentor. I just, I just kind of learned on my own, you know, but that's, I have that personality. I'm, I kind of can take on some stuff and 
And I won't overstep my boundaries with that. Like if I don't know something, I'll ask or I'll, you know, I would never take a chance, but, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult career. But you were also in a, in a different situation where your first venture into the real estate world was just for you. You weren't yeah. impacting somebody no, else. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. It, so, so I knew, yes, when I got into real estate, I knew enough about the process because I had bought and sold properties. And so I knew enough, even though they're different when you buy out of state, like Texas stuff is different than California stuff and Arizona stuff's different. I mean, they're all basically the same. They just, they just, there's some different stuff in the contracts. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I just kind of learned as I went. And then, I mean, it just snowballed after, after I helped my cousin, it was just like one after another, one after, and then it was just, it was started being guys from work and, you know, then it was referrals and it was police officers and their families and my friends. And, and then it's honestly just snowballed. And I don't, I don't, I think I told you, I don't advertise. I right. Mean, I don't market myself. I just, I haven't had to. And I actually, I couldn't, it's, it would be too much with, with time career. No, I get it. So taking the real estate license to be mm-hmm. a realtor or a real estate agent, mm-hmm. how difficult is that? Yeah, it's a lot of work. I mean, there's a... It's, it ma- imagine you were talking to yourself back when you started. What would you recommend? Um, well, I mean, there's... So when you start to prepare for the exam, the, you know, there's... You have to take all the courses that are set by the state. So okay. there's a bunch of practice tests and you got to pass them all. And 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 they're all you couldn't just sit down and start you couldn't bust all the practice tests out in a day so meaning you have to read <laughs> you have to practice then you have to take the test and you have to pass and then then there's like time frames and you can go on to the next and the next and the next and then but once you get through all the practice tests then you know once you've passed everything all their tests and all the practice tests and the reading then you can apply to take the actual state exam and <clears throat> and that's a you know, it's a, it's a hard test that a lot of people don't pass it. Luckily for me, I went in and I can tell you right now, what's on the test is, does not apply to much of what we really do. It's, it's a typical state test where right. there's a bunch of nonsense in it. I mean, I hate to say that, but it's true. It's kind of like, well, the test, the post stuff that we do, it's right. like, you're like, this is, this is why are we doing this? It's a, it's a bare minimum. Yeah. Uh, but it, but they ask you, I mean, even real estate tests, they ask you stuff that, you know, trying to think of a good example. They ask you stuff that it's really not even, doesn't even apply to like, you know, buying or selling a house. It's just, they, they talk about, they'll, you'll, when you're studying, you, you can learn about, you know, the pitches of roof, what kind of, you know, what pitch is this or what, I mean, it's just weird. It's weird. There's a lot of stuff that you just go, wow, this is crazy. But I know a bunch of people have never passed that test. They've tried, they've taken like, you know, you can take a, they could pay to have like a, you know, study groups and, and, you know, uh, what do they call that? Like not flashcards, but like where people are helping you right. and, and, and they'll pay for that. And they, they, you know, some people just can't, they can't get by. Some people aren't good at tests. Can you now, is there, a, is there an in-person classroom mm-hmm. component to it that's required? You can, nope. you can, you, you can do it. There's in, there's in classroom or there's online. I did online everything just kind of busted through all the you know, reading and quizzes and tests and on my own. And then literally signed up to take the state test, went, but, to, went to Cerritos, took the test and they said, you passed. I was like, but you have to do all of the prere- yep. prerequisite testing before. Yep. Is there a time limit? Like once you start, you have to uh, finish them. Do you remember? No, I don't remember that. Um, no, no, you just couldn't. 
you couldn't just go, you couldn't just right. go through it fast. You're not going to knock it out no. in a weekend. No. Oh gosh. No, it, it's, it's, it took weeks, if not months. I don't remember exactly how long, but I remember it, it was a process. I mean, to, to actually get to when you could take the test, it took time. Now, once you're a real estate agent, are you required to work with a real estate office or how do you brokerage? You have to have your license under a broker if you, cause you're okay. just a, you're just a salesperson or an agent and you have to have your license under a broker. So now you had the fortunate benefit of, of having a friend who was already a broker, correct? Yeah. So if somebody was coming into this cold, they've, they've, you know what, I'm going to get into the real estate market. I've taken the test. I've passed my real estate aid test. I've now a licensed real estate agent. Is it easy to cold call to be, to a broker or um, I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of brokerages that are always looking to hire agents and there's different you know there's different structures as far as um you know if you're brand new they're what they're what they're going to give you an actual commission is going to be you know a lot less than someone like me um so you know you almost have to interview all the brokers and kind of see what works best for you because I mean, they, there's a lot of, there's a lot of brokers that they'll take a lot of the money because you don't know what you're doing. So they'll, they'll tell you, they're going to give you, you know, we're going to give you leads and all this stuff. The leads don't really pan out. I mean, real estate, I mean, the, the gist of real estate is, is who do you know? Who are your contacts? Because your, your sphere of influence is really how you're going to get business. Right. You're not going to get it from leads. You're not going to get it from some, you know some computer generated thing that sends leads out to people. Okay. Maybe every once in a while you get, you get one. I mean, for example, so I, I, I work under a Remax and Remax sends leads out to all their agents. So basically if someone goes online and they're looking at homes, they're, they're on Remax website and they go, Hey, I want to see this house. It'll send it out. It'll send it out to the agents. Well, each agent, when you can pick, like a, a bank of zip codes. So all my zip codes are around where I live. So when that lead comes in, you're almost, it's, it's almost, you're in line. So it just goes down the list. So the lead will actually come to me and go, Hey, there's a lead. This person wants to see this house um, or they want to see this rental or whatever it is. And then you can accept it or decline it. Gotcha. So, I mean, I, I accept and decline based on how busy I am and stuff, but I, even the ones I've accepted, how, how many have actually turned into, a deal zero. So for me, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that, that reached out to a person that, that was on that website. And, and I'm, and I'm sure someone can, has a story to say, yeah, it worked. I, they reached out to me. I showed them a place. Um, we bought it, whatever. But in reality, you know, most people that are on the internet, they're either just, just getting started, you know, and they don't have an agent and they're just kind of browsing or, you know, they're just browsers. They're not really serious about buying. They just want to kind of see what their house is worth or what their neighbor's house is worth or what their friend's house is worth. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it, it, for someone starting out, I think you got to really look at, you know, what's the benefit for being under this office compared to this office? How much do I believe that these people are going to really mentor me and teach me and make me, you know, get to where I'm successful versus, this brokerage is going to just kind of tell me they're going to give me leads. They're going to charge me every month to be on, you know, be a part of their brokerage. And then I'm going to do all their work because you're the new guy or a, a you're lot, the- a lot of the, you know, there's these teams now everyone's got a team 
you know, at these brokerages and, and, and what that is, is you got someone who's a top producer who's created a team. They got all these people that, that don't have a lot of experience that work under them. The top producer, because they're a top producer, the deals come to them, their referrals come to them. And then they basically get the listings or, or the purchases. And then they make all these people under them do all their work. So this guy makes all the money. These guys get, <laughs> no, it's reality. No, it's what no. it is. It, it is what it is. And so that's the hard part about these new agents starting out is like they could become where they're just a worker for somebody, you know? And I never wanted to do that. I don't want to, I don't mind learning, but right. I don't want to go do somebody else's work and get a little, little tiny piece of the pie. Cause that's, you know, in my eyes, I have enough contacts and I'm smart enough and I can, I can get a deal done. And I, I knew that I, I would just be fine on my own. And that's kind of how the route I went. Some people aren't like that. Some people kind of have to have their hand held. Well, one of the flip side though to it is, is you've got a full-time job. Right. So two, two part one, mm -hmm. that's taking time away from your, your real job, which you can't do every day of the week. Right. But more importantly, it's not worth your time. What little bit of no. free time you have. No. no. And I, and honestly, for, for someone that's like, like on the job, military, police, fire, whatever it is, real estate, it's hard because you know, you, you, there's a lot of time you got to dedicate a lot of time. So, you know, I, I find myself juggling a lot, you know, and, and luckily I don't have kids. So that, that doesn't come into play. So after work, I got time, you know, I don't have to go to take my kids to practice or coach, coach a thing. So, you know, my wife's understanding, I, I can easily just leave, go show homes on the weekend, you know, that, it, it's a weekend job. You know, if you don't like working weekends, this isn't the job for you. Gotcha. If you don't like, if you don't like answering your phone or having your phone on your hip 24 seven, this is not the job for you because it's inevitably you will be getting calls, texts, 10, 11 o'clock at night from clients about a house about, you know, or, or an agent you're dealing with that all of a sudden something came up and they need to get a hold of you. I mean, it just, it, it just goes, it's constant. Well, I would say something that, just thinking about it now when you're talking about it, we've all been in that position of buying a house and we all seen how much it encompasses our life during that oh, yeah. process. Every one of your clients, that's the most important thing in their life at that moment. 100%. You have to then by proxy be as involved in it. So it's, like you said, at 11 o'clock at night, if I've got that question that is rattling around in my head, I'm going to reach out to my agent. It happens all the time and it never fails. If I go out of town or on a vacation, it's, 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 there's always something going on. I mean, it's just, you know, I take a computer with me. I mean, I can tell you how many vacations I've been on where I've literally been in a hotel room working on my computer. Cause you know, they want me to write an offer. I mean, I, I've done, I've done a lot of deals when I've been on vacation, <laughs> like over the phone and through the, through a computer. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting business, but you got to work. It's a, it's not hard. There's, there's a million agents out there. So you know, getting people to trust you and use you and, 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 you know, know that you know what you're doing and, and you're going to do the right thing for them. And, you know, you, you're, you're trying to save them money or, or get them more money or whatever it is on what, what side of the um, transaction is. It's just, you just got to work, you know, you got to work hard. Well, and the, the other thing too is the, the word of mouth aspect of it is if you're just looking to kind of dabble in this and so you take a listing, but you're not putting the effort into it or, Hey, yeah, I'll help you find the house. And then 
hey, I want to go look at this one. Oh, I'm kind of busy that day. That your reputation starts preceding you. And like you said, within your sphere of influence, all of a sudden, instead of a positive word, it's a negative word. Yeah. So, so your reputation's pretty much everything in this business. I mean, you're not, you're not going to get, if you, if you're, if you're a, if you're just not a good person, you're, you, this is not a job for you. You're not, people are going to sniff out, you know, if you're shady or slimy or whatever it is, they're not, they're, no one's going to use you. This is the biggest financial purchase of someone's life. Right. Okay. This, like I, I said before, this is not buying a car, you know? So, um, you gotta, you gotta know exactly what you're getting your, your clients into when, when you're, you know, putting in an offer. And this market right now is a prime example of, of, of buyers being put in some strange positions because there's, there's such a, um, there's so much low inventory. There's, there's a lack of inventory and then there's a bunch of buyers. And what's happening is, is that's been driving the prices up. And if you look anywhere in Southern California, the price of real estate is just skyrocketing in the last, you know, couple of years. It just keeps going up and up and up. And it's because there's all these buyers that are, they're just, they're overbidding for these houses. And, uh, and then in turn to try to get your offer accepted, you're having to wave, you know, some, some crazy things, waving appraisals and, and go on a hundred, 125,000 over list price and, you know, shortening up inspection periods and on all these different things that, that your agent needs to know, like, what can I, what can we really do? How, how short can we do it and really get it done? But, you know, I mean, it's, you know, going back to the reputation thing, you know, your reputation is, is with the, with your buyers and sellers is, is super important, but it's also your reputation with other agents because the other aspect of how hard it is to get a deal accepted right now is, do you know the agent that's selling the house? So, you know, they could be 10 other offers, but if I did a deal with this other agent, just happened to me actually yesterday, got an offer accepted and I've done a deal with the, the agent and, um, and, and the, the deals we've done were smooth. So she knew that I'm easy to work with. She knew I'm always on it. You know, she tried to get a hold of me. I answer the phone just like I do for, for, for my clients. So, um, I think that had a big influence on why we got this house over other, actually other offers and one that was higher than us. But you know, I, the terms were good. I made the terms super good and I, and I knew the agent so that it helped. But I, I mean, if I had a bad reputation or I was a crappy agent or that, you know, the last deal, she could never get a hold of me right. and, or I didn't, I didn't come you know, I didn't come true on my word. Something I told her, you know, she would be like, I don't want to do a deal with that guy, which is, I mean, happens. It's life. Yeah. Yeah. We deal with that all the time. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about from a business perspective, that will impact your ability to be an effective agent. Yeah. hundred percent. So does a real estate agent license, you're licensed in California. Can you sell in Arizona? Can you sell? So you have to get a license in each state that you want to sell Does it, but the testing or the, the classes that you went through, does that allow you then to go take the test in any other state? No, no everything's different. Um, like my dad's an agent in Arizona. So the way they do things is we talk a lot about it and they, they just, they do things differently. Like he goes, he actually goes every year and takes like, um, classes to kind of up, update his license. And, and we don't do that here. Every, I think I'm going to say it's every five years you have to go through a whole set of classes to renew your license all online, but 
Takes time. Takes time. Takes money. Time and money, yeah. I mean, so of course, for, those aren't too expensive for the renewal, but time. California requires it every five years? I think it's five. Yeah, I think it's five. I'm trying to think. Just did it two years ago, so I think I'm good for another three. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like every state test. They're going to, you're always going to have to renew. You're always going to have to pay some money. <laughs> every, the state always wants their <laughs> oh, money. Exactly. We all know that. So then what's the difference between a broker and an agent? Well, the bro I mean, a broker's basically, they're the ones that are going to carry all the liability. I mean, that's, they've, they've, they've gone, they've taken the broker's test, which is much more, you know, in depth into real estate. And then they're the ones that are going to typically going to carry the, you know, you know, insurance, errors and emissions insurance. And, and they're going to have the liability that kind of comes to them, you know, so as the agents were all under them and, and, uh, I'm happy being an agent. I could very easily go take the broker's test and probably pass it. And, and, but you know, for me, especially right now where I'm at, this is just, it's easier for me just to be an agent, do my deals, get, pay a little bit of commission to my broker and not have to deal with any of that stuff. Do you think it would be possible though to balance still being active law enforcement and being a broker or would that be just way too much? You could, I mean, you could, I mean, it just depends how, what, what you were trying to do with your broker. I mean, if you're trying to build like a, a full office with, with, you know, a bunch of people under you? No, probably not. You can be, I don't think you could do both jobs. I mean, this job alone, um, just being an agent, if you're busy, like I am, it's, it's, it's a juggling act with full-time jobs. So, you know, it's basically two full-time jobs, you know? So I, I would say, no, I mean, you know, maybe when I'm done, when I'm done with, with uh, law enforcement, which is not too far away, then you want to check the calendar again, like 89 (laughs) weeks or something, (laughs) something like that. So it's not very far away. So once I'm done with there, you know, there's all kinds of options. I can pretty much do whatever I want to do. And, and with real estate, it kind of parlays into a bunch of other stuff. And I've told you before some of the other things I've been doing, but, but, uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe being a broker is one of them, you know, it'll just depend. But at the bottom line is you've got, you've already put something in place that is going to carry over into when you retire. Yeah. And going to keep doing real estate. I mean, to keep doing real estate or, or some facet of real estate, whether it's, you know, flipping with my partner, like we've been doing flipping homes and, you know, that's another, that's a whole different animal. And then, you know, or construction jobs or whatever it, whatever it parlays into. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can get into. I could get my license and do, I could do loans if I wanted to, you know, and, I could, I could make money doing loans. I mean, once you're into real estate, there's, there's so many different fingers that you can kind of branch off into and make money. Um, it's just how hard do you want to work? Can you do both? As, so can you be the agent and the loan or? Yeah, you could, you could, you could technically be the loan officer on a loan and, and sell a house. Yeah. So there's no conflict of interest no, issues. No, there's no, I mean, you, they're either qualify or they don't No, There's, okay. there's guys that do it all. I mean, there's guys that do it all the time. In fact, my broker, my partner, but he's my broker as well. So he owns a, he owns a Remax business. He owns a home, he owns a mortgage business as well. And there's all, you'll see that a lot. You'll see in a, in a real estate office, you'll see there's a mortgage company attached to it. You'll see there's an escrow to- company attached to it kind of an all encompassed thing. So you'll notice that like the, the Remax office I work for, there's a escrow company attached to it. So when we get it, when we got a listing, when we get an escrow, what, what escrow company we use, the one in our office and, and it's, we have So control. it's beneficial to keep it all under one roof. I mean, it, it, it is, it, it's, I think 
I think there's benefits to it. I mean, obviously everything's, you have control over everything. You're not waiting on somebody else, you know, some loan officer in New Jersey, you know, or, or something like that. And, and if there's an issue, someone can get up and walk over to the next office and go, Hey, what's going on with our loan or what's going on with this escrow. And, you know, it just makes it, makes it easier. Now, as a, as a real estate agent in California, can you be involved with the brokering of it? So if you've got a client who's in California, but they want to buy a piece of property in Austin, Texas, can you, do you still have a hand in it or do you, you have to hand it off to? No, you, you well, so you, a lot of people do referrals. So, you know, um, a lot of people make a living doing referrals. So you could, if you were the guy that you had a lot of people, and actually if in law enforcement, there's a lot of people that are fleeing the state. Once they retire, they're fleeing. So that's actually not a bad business. So if you, if you wanted to spend time and you wanted to have, find an agent in every city, I got a, I got an agent in Vegas. I got an agent in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I got an agent in Florida. I got an agent in Tennessee. And you just had all these agents that you had already worked out deals. Hey, if I send you a client, you're going to send me back a referral fee and they're going to give you 25, 30%, whatever of the commission. And all you do is facilitate the, Hey, hey they're coming out. They want to look at properties in Franklin, Tennessee. Okay, here's your agent. Boom, they go out there. Nobody's going to Tennessee today. Nobody likes Tennessee. Everybody I know is going to Tennessee. That's yeah, it's, it's, it's the hot spot right now. So It's the, what I say, it's the Idaho of the early 2000s. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's a, and it's a beautiful place. I've been there, I, I, but I, don't, I won't be packing up and moving there. I'll visit. I like it. I'll visit. Um, but, yeah, my dad lives in Prescott, Arizona. So for a while, Prescott was kind of the hot spot. Mm-hmm you know, for retirees. And I, I referred a bunch of people out to him, but for whatever reason, that's kind of, it got, I think it's gotten a little big out there. I think it's not as quaint as it used to be. And, and so some people are kind of pushing away. I think Idaho is the same way. I think Idaho is starting to. It, it, I think kinda, a, a given area gets popular, it gets saturated. And then you just. Well, and the prices go up. I mean, Californians go out there and they drive the price up. I mean, that's, it's happening in Tennessee. Right. The price of real estate is through the roof in Tennessee because of all the Californians. You know, they take they take their money from here and they go out there and all of a sudden everything's boom, boom, boom. And, and it, you know, it's tough. That's tough on a community out there because the people out there don't make, you know, they don't make the money we're making right. up here. So the, the price of real estate goes up. It's like how some of these people are going to afford it. So, um, yeah, but you can. That's, a, that's, a, that's not a bad little side job if you just want to facilitate, you know, referring people. Um, but, but again, it's that time commitment. So everything's time. I mean, you, you, there's no job you're ever going to, I mean, I think everybody knows that there's no job where you're just going to make money and not work. It's like, you're, you're only going to be successful as, as much as you put into it. You know, if you're going to be, if you're going to work hard, you're going to, you know, you're going to hustle, you're going to make money. I mean, it's, if you know what you're doing you're and you're good, you, you're going to make money. I mean, it's sometimes there's, there's lulls where you're not, as busy as others. But I mean, since COVID, it's kind of the same thing. I've been, it's an up and down career. You know, I'll, I'll go where I don't have anything. And then all of a sudden I have five in a row and I'm like overwhelmed. Right. And it's stressful. I mean, I would rather it be just like, Hey, can I have one a month? A and, little trickle. Just cruise. Yeah. But it that never happens. It's always in droves and, and, and I don't really know why <laughs> there's no, ma- there's no method of the madness. It just happens. And it just, I mean, I literally have had like five or six escrows going at the same time and it's, and then that, that's where it becomes tough. But for me, once I get stuff in escrow, you know, everyone's like, how do you do it with a full-time job? Well, you know, I got a, I got a transaction coordinator that, that works for me that's been in the business for 30 plus years and he's an older guy. 
can't do the real estate side anymore just because of the stress. He's had some health problems, but he can do transaction coordinating stuff and he's very, very smart. So when I get stuff in escrow, he kind of, he kind of takes the whole file and runs with it. And he, he does all the disclosures. He does all the stuff for me. So he basically did, he starts doing my job and I pay him. I mean, right. he gets paid. Um, but that takes a big load off me, you know? Yes, I, I do still have to do a lot of stuff and I still have to keep in communication with everybody and do everything, but he takes a lot of the paperwork side of it off my plate, which is worth every dollar. And in fact, my dad didn't ever use a transaction coordinator. I was always doing it. And finally, I just said, I, I was like, dad, why don't you use a transaction coordinator? He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, it takes off all, you don't have to do all these disclosures. You don't have to do all the paperwork. Like it just takes stuff off your plate. And then now he, I don't think he'd ever do a deal without because he uses it all the time. He's like, you know, cause it really does. It frees you up to do other True. stuff. You know, if you got to sit in front of a computer and you got to go through a bunch of disclosure forms and paperwork, it, it just takes time. Well, and the thing is, is that your, your time is money. Mm-hmm. And, and when you have a limited amount of free time, somebody who can, who can take that ball and run with it is worth their weight in gold. For sure. So you mentioned flipping and that's, we've, we've all seen every single, it seems like every, TV show is about flipping this and flipping that. (laughs) That's a completely different beast. I would imagine it is. It is to get into something like that. There's no need to be a real estate agent. No, you don't have to. Um, but you got to have somebody that's, I, I would say somebody involved in the deal should be an agent because there's, there's so many people trying to do it it's hard to find a good flip. There's there's just not a lot out there. In fact, if it's on the MLS, it's not a good flip because it would already have been scooped up. If it's been, so I've had, I've had uh, my buddy's son, he's been wanting to get into it. Actually got his license just because he wants to do flips. So he got his license and he's been sending me stuff. Hey, look at this property. And I'm like, where'd you see it? MLS. Well, how long has it been on the market? 30 days. I'm like, it's, there's something wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Cause if it was good, it would have been, if there was money, somebody would have scooped it. So, you know, it, it's a flippings are very tough. The shows have made it even worse. Um, it's, it's very hard to get something. All the ones I'd say the last three that, that we've done, um, it's all because of people we knew. So, um, they, people came to us and you know, one was, a actually two of them were, uh, grandfather passed away, mom passed away. And then the last one, um, uh, I'm just talking about the last three. The, the, the one we're doing right now was uh, mom in her 70s gotten, a, basically, got, I unfortunately got suckered into a bad business decision that they, she bought into a business. They tied it to her loan and uh, the business, it was a candy store and basically she made no money and then the candy store had to get shut down. But this company had refied her house to help her to purchase the candy store. So now she's paying like $9,000 a month for her house. Well, once the candy store goes down, she can't afford $9,000 a month. Right. So all of a sudden she's upside down. She stops making her mortgage payments. She does this for almost like, like close to two years back mortgage payments, no payment. And by the time the, the daughter calls us, she's like, yeah, they're going to foreclose on my mom. And we're like, uh, okay, well, what do you want us to do? She's like, is there anything you guys can do to help her? They're going to, and we started looking in and we're like, they're going to foreclose in like two weeks. Like she's going to lose her house. Right. Like, and there was still a little bit of equity, not much because it sucked up a ton over the two years, not making a payment. And, you know, 
luckily for them, we were able, we were able to buy it. We bought it. I don't know what it's going to pan out. Um, we're not going to lose money. It's not really, there's not a bunch of money in it, but you know, we're able to kind of bail her out. We're going to give her some when we sell it. It's all going to base on what we, we, but there, the point was, there's not a bunch, there wasn't a bunch of equity in it where we would go in and remodel. Like normally we'll go and we'll gut the house, you know, just like you see on TV, Mm -hmm. gut it down to the studs or whatever, put all new kitchen baths. This one, there's just not enough money. It's like we painted the outside, painted the inside, doing some stuff in the kitchen, changed some countertops, but not touching anything else. Bathrooms, all the other stuff, you know, we're leaving away the way it is. But, um, you know, back to how do you get a flip? It's going to be, it's really going to be somebody that knows that you do flips or knows that you'll buy flips or knows you're in real estate. And, 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 you know, but to get them, I mean, you got to have money. I mean, you got to have money. Some of these houses are in conditions where, you know, a lender's not going to lend on it. Um, luckily for us, we haven't really had, had too many that have been in that condition, but, but some there, the lenders won't lend. So if you got, it's gotta be cash. And if it's not cash, it's gotta be hard money and hard money car costs money. Um, you know, we, you know, we've used hard money before and you, you know, they're, they're great if you need to use their money, but you're going to pay for it and you better make sure that you get your, get it done quick because right. the longer you go, the more you're going to spend. Um, so there, there, it's not easy that it's definitely, then you got to have a crew construction crew and, and how much is that contractor going to cost? You know, for, for me and my partner, his dad's our contractor. He's retired, he's 80 years old, been doing this for, you know, 40 something years or 50 years, whatever he's been doing this. And, uh, so yes, we pay him, but we don't pay him what a normal contractor would get paid. So, so because of that, we save money right on that. Because we're agents, we save money on the commission. So it's all about, you know, the bottom line. Maximizing your profit. What do you, how much are you going to walk with? So when you look at buying something and then you go, okay, our budget's $300,000 to rehab this house. And then all of a sudden you go 400 or 450 and then you go, oh my gosh. And then you got to pay commissions out. At least we still pay commissions. I mean, cause we got to pay it to the seller's agent, but I don't, I don't have to pay on my side. And then you, then you got to pay the contractor. And I mean, everything, just, if you have hard money, you got to pay that. So by the time it's done, you go, how much money do we make? You know, and our thing is, I mean, everyone's, there's probably flippers that have different philosophies. Our thing is, is, you know, if there's, if, if we look at it and go worst case scenario, there's a hundred grand in it. If there's not a hundred grand, we won't do it. And that's, it's just, there's, cause there's got, you gotta have, you gotta have room for something to go wrong. COVID. We, we, we just did one when COVID hit and it was the most stressful six months of my life because COVID, uh, the election, and then just the unknown after the election. And then, you know, the cost of lumber and everything started to come up and we sold that in March and we came out okay because it was a, it was kind of a unicorn. It had an ocean view and it was, it was, it was the grandfather had passed away. He bought it in 1965. He had the best lot on the Hill and, and we got lucky. I mean, we, very blessed and but we went way over budget we spent a ton of money with hard money so but we still did okay and and actually the the market kind of kept going up the last three months we were there and that's we made money on it but they don't all go like that so trying to get involved in flips while you're still trying to maintain your full-time job you need to you need to factor in that bigger profit buffer because you don't have the volume capability yeah i mean you yeah, you're going to have, you're going to have to have, you're going to have to be pretty liquid to, 
to do a flip. So you're going to have to have money. I mean, because even if you, even if you use hard money, um, to buy the house, you, you there's gotta be some, you gotta have skin in the game. Like the no hard money lender is just going to give you, Hey, here's the money for the house. Here's the money for the flip. And we, we believe you, this is what you're going to sell for. They're just not going to do it. So but there's those hands on TV that talk about <laughs> yeah. buy these properties without any of your own money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Get, call those people up and then find out what the real scoop is. And then, you know, I mean, and then the, you know, the flip shows, they make it look like everything's a, so easy and they make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars on this house and, you know, Stanton or, you know, you're like, <laughs> what, what? Like where? And, and I, it's funny cause I actually know Christina from flipper flop. So, and I knew her well before she got into that. Um, and she's, she's very knowledgeable, very, very good girl. And she's, a uh, you know, she's done good, but she's done good because of the TV show. You know, I mean, that's, she's, she's an actress now. I mean, right. that's, that's the way I look at her. The I mean, TV she, show's taking the liability. Yeah. She flip or flop, Christine on the coast. She's parlayed that into she's a celebrity, but that's a whole other topic. She can have that. I don't. I wouldn't want that for nothing. You know. I have a friend who who got their house in on. It wasn't a flip type deal, but it was one of these we remodel it for you. Mm-hmm. And basically, her experience was a nightmare. I think the funny the 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 funniest thing for me when she what was the cost. Because there's probably some serious. Oh, they they had to lay out their own money too, and and of course it went over budget from what they were originally told. But the best part was, there's four sides to a house, but the TV show only painted the two sides that were going to be shown on oh, camera. Got it. You know, and then it's the hey, we've painted the house. Do you want us to paint the other two sides? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, then that's going to cost you. Yeah. So. Interesting. Um, it was, it, it was definitely an eye opener for her. You know, you get sucked into the, Oh, we're going to be on TV. Oh, they're going to do our house. Oh, they're going to. And then when you get into the reality of it, it wasn't all that it was cracked up. Yeah. It's not what you thought, you know? I mean, you know, going back to flips, you know, there's, there's so many people doing flips and, uh, you know, if you're an agent and you're a new agent and you're going into a house, that's a flip. You know, you got to be real careful about, you know, taking your clients into a flip house because you don't know who, if you don't know who did the flip, you don't know what they covered up. You know, you can go into a house and there could be all kinds of stuff and you could cover it up. Well, the way we look at it, me and my partner, Hey, you know what? We, we're not covering up anything. Um, there's, it's, there's too much risk and liability to come back on you. Um, if you, if we come up across something that's bad, you got to fix it. But there are, I guarantee you, there are contractors out there that they'll find something and they'll boom, they'll cover it up. I mean, you could paint a house and you, know, you won't see stuff, you know? Um, and I've seen some really bad flips. You walk in, it looks great on pictures. You walk in you're like, Oh, this looks not that great. And you can just see it in, you know, little things, molding tile work. So a quality agent should be able to tell if this was a flip in the sense oh. of how quickly it's been turned around from the previous sale. Well, you'll, you should, yeah, you should look at an agent should be able to look at, you know, past sales and go, okay, this sold in, this sold in, you know, December and it sold for this price. And wow, it's now look at it look at the pictures. It's been completely remodeled. Okay. It's, and it's only March, <laughs> but then you walk in. I mean, if, if you, if you look at houses enough, like we do, you, you can see a flip the second you walk in based on just the quality of, you know, if it's just a standard house, I'm not talking about, you know, something in Newport coast or, but you know, if it's just a standard house, you know, they, they, they you can tell by the count, the, you know, um, cabinets they use. I mean, you know, 
okay, these are made in China. I mean, you can tell the the quality of stuff on a lot of flips. Um, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta be careful with those. I mean, I, I don't like when my, my buyers want to buy a house. that has been a flip. I just, me personally, I just, I get uneasy because I've seen what happens when you open stuff up. Um, but I've, you know, I, I had a buddy of mine. He was a, he was a sheriff and he bought a flip house and I was real nervous. I mean, we, I just, I just was nervous. It was a great, they did a great job, but I was just nervous because it was an older house and, and that's actually been, it's actually been good. So, um, you know, I was, I was praying cause you, you know, you, you know, you I mean, you, you put your buddy in it and, and then all of a sudden if things start going sideways and they're calling you, Hey, this is happening. This is, this is leaking and the roof's and you're like, Oh gosh, you know? Well, and you, and you bring up a good point. So you talk about the first condo you sold, you sold to a friend coworker right. and, and the fact of, of that you don't advertise, you re, you utilize your f- sphere of influence or your social circle. So you're going to be helping friends, right? Then you go to the other side of it and you say the old adage, don't ever do business with family and friends. Um, any advice you would give? If somebody's going to go down the real estate agent game, or the, what advice would you give as far as being that agent for your friends and your family? Yeah, I mean, you have, real estate's the one, probably the one business you have to. That's, that's how you're going to make, that's how you're going to get started. That's how okay. you're going to make money. I mean, you, you're, in reality, if you're just getting into a business, who's going to use you? I mean, you think you're going to just go door knock, you know, or go walk around a neighborhood and door knock and someone's going to say, yeah, you know what? Sell my house. Sell my house. Yeah. Yeah. I know you just got in the business or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You sold one house. Yeah. It's, it's sell my house, but no, I mean, it's your family and friends. That's what gets you started and get you, that's how you get your knowledge or experience. And, and you know, I mean, you, yeah, you, you have to, you have to start there. I, I mean, I don't know where else. I don't know how else you could really start. Any pitfalls though, that you maybe experienced that might, be a benefit for somebody to, Hey, just think about this or it's, um, it's stressful. Um, it's stressful because you're, because it is your friends, like you start taking it really personal or to heart and, you know, you want to make sure that, that they get what they want and they're happy because not only are you, not only are your clients, they're your friends and you're going to, you're going to hang out with them after right. this, you know, and this last one that I just got, you know, in escrow yesterday, you know, I've shown them, you know, I've shown them a lot of houses and we've wrote a lot of offers that we didn't get. And not because we didn't try or we didn't put got good offers in, but at the time they were still contingent because their house, I had their house in escrow. We didn't even put their house on the market. Um, they were kind of, since November, they were kind of wishy-washer on wanting to sell their house. Not because they didn't want to sell their house. They didn't want to sell and be homeless. And so they, they were really nervous about that. And then I had some, I had some buyers actually, Sheriff Buddy's sister that he had referred to me that they were looking for a house and, and I had shown them a bunch. We couldn't get anything. And I said, and then I'd one day I just thought to myself, you know what? That house would work for them. So I reached out to my buddy and I said, Hey, if I had a buyer for your house and we did an off market deal, I said, maybe I could get them to let you do a lease back for a long period of time. And that way you could stay in there and you could look for a house. So that's kind of what happened. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we, they were, ha- everyone was happy with the number. I gave them a, I gave them a break on the commission. That's another thing I do for, you know, cops and firefighters. I, uh, you know, I, I give a break on the listing commission on my side and, you know, everybody always wants to save money. So, um, the break I gives enough where it's, it's beneficial to people. So yeah, I shortchanged myself a little bit, but it's always, 
it's always worked out for me because, you know, they refer me someone or they end up buying something. And then, you know, so I, that's what I do to keep my business kind of going. And, and, and I, and it helps me cause I feel, I feel like I'm actually, you know, not only am I helping them get a house, but I'm giving, you know, I'm helping them, you know, financially right. a little bit. I can make more, I could, and probably do less deals and not take as, you know, not be as stressed. But to me, I'd, I'd rather just keep doing it the way it, it works for me. So I do it. That's well, I'll be honest with you. Just in this conversation here, I've I've really been thinking about it more, and it truly is such a f- monumental purchase for most people. Most people don't buy multiple homes in their lifetime, one maybe two, and to be involved in such a life changing event, you really you you can't be wishy washy about it. No, if 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 you have any care for your friends, your family, or just the business in general to just try to seem like, Oh, I'll take care of you. And then not really come through. That's going to be a huge impact on these people. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's stressful. And you know, you feel this, you feel the stress with the people you're working with. I mean, you know, our jobs in police work are stressful enough. And then, you know, I, I take this on, you know, on the side and, and, and I've had, you know, I've had real estate deals going at one at the same time I've had flips going and, and, you know, we didn't even get into the, you know, how the flip business turned into another co- company that I'm involved in, another construction we can go down company. That route. It's, it's, you know, you know, I just, you know, I think my wife thinks I'm crazy sometimes because I, I literally have so much going on. It's like, it's just, it's never ending. It's like, you know, I got people hitting me up to, hey, we want to remodel our kitchen or, hey, we want to put windows in our house. And, you know, it's just, it's just because we've have the, the workers from the flips, then we start doing other stuff. And, you know, it, like I said earlier, it branches, you can branch out because real estate, it branches you out into all different types of stuff. And, and my partner who I told you is a broker and owns a mortgage company. And so he's kind of, he wears the same hat as I do where he's got multiple jobs. Difference with him is he's got three kids too. So, <laughs> you know, he really gets stressed because he's trying to be the coach and go to every event and he's in Havasu this weekend with them. And, you know, we got the flip going on. So he's calling me, Hey, can you go up here at eight in the morning, you know, to, on Saturday? And I'm like, uh, yeah, where are you at? And he's like, I'm in Havasu. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll do it. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it really is how, how motivated are you to work? How much effort and time do you want to give up to make money? That's, that's, that's all it is. I mean, you look at anybody that's successful in life. Yes, there may be a few that inherited money, but you look at successful people, I don't care who it is, and they work. Mm-hmm. They don't sleep in until 10 o'clock in the day. They get up and they work all day. They work all night. They work weekends. They just, that's how you make money. There's, you, you have to have that motivation. If you're not motivated, you know, if you're, if you're a police officer and, and you're, you're content making what you make and when you retire, taking 70, 80, 90% of that and living comfortably or maybe moving out of state, then, then do that. You know, if you want to work and you want to become a real estate agent, cause you think you're going to make money, just be prepared. And I tell you this, if you're going to be a real estate agent, just be prepared. You're not going to start making money right away. Right, no, not, not even close. Not, not even close. You're going to spend money, spend money, you know, probably a few thousand um, to try to get started and, and then you're not going to have anything and you're gonna be like, why can't I get any deals or why won't somebody use me? Um, it's tough. I, there was a girl that was working at her office. She was young, a young girl, um, in her twenties. And she, she, she seemed like she had it, 
like I thought, okay, she's going to be successful and she wanted to work and, you know, Hey, can I do your open houses? And I'd let her do my, my open houses and I'd pay her a little bit of money. And, and she kept spending money and spending money and she was doing marketing and all this stuff. And she just couldn't get any treadway. I mean, she spent thousands trying to be a real estate agent and then finally just gave it up because it's just some people just, you just, they don't have it. Right. You know, and I don't know what her conversations were when she talked to people or, you know, what, her relationships were with friends and family where they're like, Oh, I'm not using her. You know, I, I don't know what, I don't know the backstory of that, but I thought to myself, Oh, she's going to, she'll, she'll be successful. But you know, you, it's a sales job. Right. You know, if you can't talk to people or you're not good at, you know, listening or being able to sell something that you, this job won't be for you. You hit on a good point. I, I believe that the one nice thing that we have that we bring to the table as law enforcement is our innate ability to talk to just about anybody. Right. And it's that, that is going to what, that's, what's going to carry you if you're willing to put the effort into it, into that secondary job, especially anything where you're dealing with the public or dealing with people and selling or trying to get them to buy something. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, if you, if you can't talk to people as a police officer, you're not going to be very successful. I mean, if you can't get out of the car and go do a consensual encounter and, and walk and talk your way into someone's pockets or whatever right. it is or into their car, then you're not very successful. I mean, um, it's a job that you, you definitely have to talk to people. Um, but the other side of it is, especially if you're a police officer, you know, I've found myself talking to other agents and because we're so used to people lying to us, I've sniffed out a lot, a lot of stuff where I'm like, okay, <laughs> this doesn't, I'm listening to someone and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And, and you can, and, and sure enough, it's panned out where I'm like, okay, that's a slime ball agent. And, and you know, you, the job has helped me when I negotiate with people or when I talk to other agents on the phone, cause you can, we're pretty good at, you know, knowing when people are lying. What limitations do you have? At, so for instance, you're my agent cause I'm buying a property. Mm-hmm you sniff out something in the agent representing the seller. What do you have a mandated responsibility beyond just being a good guy to tell me something or what can you kind of get involved in? Like who, you know what? It it really depends on what it is. I mean, if I, if I start having real doubts about, you know, a house or the agent or something, I, I'd for sure tell my clients. I mean, I, I've probably probably told every client where I've thought the agent's kind of a slime ball. I've probably told every client, like, <laughs> I don't really trust this agent. Just so you know, like, so you may see me, you know, do things a certain way or um, just so you know, I just don't, I don't trust what's going on. And I, I'd rather do that than, and be wrong than, than not tell them. And, and then they go, well, why didn't you say, something? yeah, why didn't you say something? But, and, and there, there's a lot of good agents out there. And when I, when I talk about this and I'm saying that, you know, slimy agents, the majority are very, very good agents there. Um, but there, ha- I have had a couple where I'm like, okay, that guy, you know, I don't really trust him, you know, but there, I think that's every profession. You could say it. That's just like say today it, in law enforcement. You could say a police work, you could say firefighters, you can say doctors, lawyers. Yes. So, you know, there's, there's some that slip through the cracks and everything and in a real estate. There's, that's no different. Now going forward, one of the, aspects of this podcast is the whole planning for after law enforcement. And I think you, you hit on a really good point is that you're so busy with this venture that it sounds like once you walk away from your law enforcement job, 
it's not going to be a big deal for you. Was that an aspect for you in getting into this? Was it something that you were really kind of thinking about, like, I want to do this at the time, or it was more thinking like, I want to do this long term? Um, no, I think when, when I first started getting into it, well, obviously before the market crashed in 07, 08, it was more, you know, how can I make some more money? You know, I was working three days a week. What can I do on my four days off? You know, like that kind of thing without just going and working overtime. I mean, right. overtime's great, but I didn't want to do it all the time. So how can I make money and do something I like to do? And I liked, I liked houses and real estate and fixing stuff up. And then when the market crashed and I got my license, it was more like I still was focused on, you know, what am I going to do? You know, when the market comes back, you know, I want to be ready. I want to be able to do my own deals and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really think how hard it was. You know, I, I was thinking I just get my license, do my own deals. I hadn't, I couldn't have done that. Right. <laughs> you have to go through the, the process of learning the contracts. I mean, yeah, I knew the contracts, but not when you're, when you're the agent, you're writing the offer and you're, or you're reading an offer, you got to know what to look for. So, so, um, I think I was still focused on me. How can I make money? And then as, as I've gotten closer and closer to the end, you know, I start thinking about, you know, what I'm, what I'm going to do. And there's a lot of guys that are double dipping, you know, like a lot of guys that, that leave one agency and they, they go double dip at another agency. And so I know, I know a lot of those guys and, and that's a great job. Um, it's a great job because you, basically you just double your income. And when you really think about it, for me, it's not, it's not, not that I don't want to do it. There's not, cause I've gone from, I've been at two different agencies and one's a PERS agency and one's a county agency. So I can't, when I retire, they don't merge. Well, they, they you know, it's reciprocal. So the, the county retirement will be based on my PERS retirement as long as I go on the same day. But the problem is then I can't go double dip at any PERS agency or any agency in that county. Well, that's the county I live in. So if I want to go you have to, to, leave to another agency, you know, there's some, some there, there's PERS agencies all over. I can't go to any there. There's some other county agencies. That means I got to go to, you know, drive right. or, or move, which I'm not going to do. So I kind of started the last few years. I'm like, okay, that's not really an option. Cause you don't want to do like every other Southern Californian and spend three hours on the highway. Every no, day? no, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good in traffic. It's, it's just a waste of time. So no, I just decided that, you know, as much as it would be easy to go and do another law enforcement job, you know, I was just going to pivot and I was going to, you know, do the real estate thing. And then, you know, the last couple of years, law enforcement's really taken a pretty big hit. And, uh, you know, I love the job. I'll never say I, I didn't enjoy the job. I don't necessarily enjoy the job as much as I used to now because I don't like the politics that are involved in, in, in what's, what's going on in our country. And I, and I don't particularly um, trust the media and, and some other things that are going on. And, and we, we've watched a lot of stuff that are, you know, come out and, and police officers getting fired and, and, and I'm not going to judge cause I don't know all the facts of every case, but um, I can tell you that my thoughts on, on, you know, getting into something, it, it really makes you start to think like, you know, man, you at the blink of an eye, my whole life could change just because I was doing my job, you know, and, and you get in a situation and it goes sideways. So because of that, you know, and, and the fact I'm getting older, it's like, you know, I definitely don't want to double dip. I want to get to 50 and I, I want to just be happy. I made it a full career. You know, I mean, I started when I was 18 years old. I just want to be happy to go. 18 years old, all the way to 50, man, 
you know, I'm lucky. I had, One a, of the I had a couple ones. little bumps here and there along the road. I mean, we all do, but, but I made it, you know, and there's a lot of guys that can't make it. There's a lot of guys we know that never make the full career. They, you know, they get in trouble or they get hurt or something happens, but you know, I made it, you know, there's been some times when you kind of question like, am I, damn, am I going to make it to 50? You know, and I'm one of the lucky ones that's still three at 50. You know, these, I don't know how these guys are going to do it. You know, you start looking at these guys, they got to go till 57 or later. And it's like, you know, I mean, I, I work out, I stay in pretty good shape, but my body doesn't feel the same as it, it, it used to. And I, I can't imagine 10 years from now trying to go do this job and, you know, dealing with, you know, 20, 30 year old guys that are in much better shape. It's, it's an interesting dynamic in police right. work. And, you know, I think the, the three of 50 thing when it started out was very, it was a very good thought. And I think that, you know, maybe, maybe financially it wasn't thought out enough. And, but I thought, I think that the 50 was a good thing for, for first responders. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but yeah. But as far as me, I'm just going to get, I'm going to get to 50 and it's going to be full real estate and, and then maybe other branches from there. You know, I may, we may build that construction company up bigger, um, I may get my, I may get my license, do mortgages. I don't know. I don't, I mean, I think I'm going to, I need to stay busy. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if my real estate is enough to keep me busy where I'm not going stir crazy. Cause I'm, it's going to be weird not having to go, you know, into work four days a week, getting up, you know, five fifteen AM every day. And so I'm going to have to really stay busy. That's why I say I may jump into something else because I, I'm going to need that structure just for myself. Right. And I think that's one of the things that, that most police officers are driven by is that that need to be doing something. Right. Most of them don't want to just be, you know, couch potatoes kind of doing nothing. There are some though. I mean, there's plenty of guys that retire and they don't do anything, but you know, I mean, we know that the, the life expectancy of cops, you know, that when they retire and I hope it's going up, I hope the numbers are because, you know, when I first started, the guys were drinking and smoking and, and their lifestyles weren't very good. I right. hope the numbers are going to go longer than five years or whatever it was. But, but, uh, you know, I mean, there's, I've known a bunch of guys that have retired and they pass away pretty quickly and you go, wow. And the, the thing that we've all experienced is we've all worked with those guys that, I mean, and we've joked about your calendar for retirement, but there are a lot of guys that we've worked with. They have that calendar counting down, but they've got nothing planned for what right. they're going to do afterwards. Right. And so, like you said, all of a sudden now they're sitting on the couch with no identity, nothing to do. Right. And it's going to have an impact on them. And I, and I know some guys that retired and they, they made it, you know, seven, eight months and they're like, I got to get a job. You know, I've had guys come back to our department, you know, 960, the part-time guys. And they're just like, I have to do something like I'm going crazy at home, you know, and there's only so much you can, you can only take on so many home projects <laughs> right. and, and home projects turn into money and you end up spending more money. And so there's only so much you could do That's So, you know, guys that are the guys that are, you know, if you're mid career, start thinking about what you want to do when you're done, you know, maybe it is something law enforcement. Related. Maybe you want to go work private security. You want to go be a bodyguard or whatever. Some of these guys go and do, um, you know, find something that, that you can parlay into. Luckily for me and mine's I'm happy that it's not, you know, security or law enforcement related, related, not, not cause I don't like the job. It's just, it's a different, it's almost like I'm starting a new life almost, you know? And it's like, we'll put that chapter away and close it. And I'm, I'm blessed and thankful. And, um, I never got into police work thinking I was going to make good money or I was going to, I didn't even look at the retirement. I mean, I really never even knew what I was getting into. Right. Um, it was probably 
seven, eight years into my job when I start hearing guys talk about retirement, I'm like, like, wait, so what, how does it work? So, and you know, they explain it this many years, this meant this, your percentage. And, and I start going, wow. But it felt, it still felt so far away. It did in the last, you know, man, the last, I mean, what I met you. It's been 14 years. Is it? Yeah. 13, 14 years ago. Now. I mean, it's, it's like, you think about that. You think how fast that went. It's like, I mean, I can, I can remember all the, when we were in our classes and we went out at night and I, and it just seems like it was a few years ago, right. not 13. And you just go, wow, life's going fast. So, you know, guys that are, if there's anybody listening to this and they're, they're 15 years away from their career being over, it's not, it's going to be over fast. It's going to be over so fast. And like, I'm, I'm about a year and a half away and I, I know that I'm going to literally blink my eyes and I'm going to be like, probably going, Oh my gosh, can I, should I really leave or should I just stay longer? <laughs> do I really want to just walk away? You know, and you know, with real estate, it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of my business is cops. You know, I mean, it's, it's referrals. So that I, I, that's another thing I had to look at. And I've got some ideas that I'll start implementing as far as how I'm going to keep that business flowing. But you know, it's, it's, you know, I don't market, like I told you, I don't market, I don't pay anything, but I'm, I'm going to probably start towards this end here just so I can keep myself relevant in the game with law enforcement. I mean, I, that's who I really would, would like to work with, you know, first responders, law enforcement, military, just because, you know, it's, we're kind of all wired the same, right. kind of, we kind of think the same and, and, you know, obviously we had, the, the incomes are solid and they're W2 income. So they're always good buyers. So, um, yeah, it's an, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about how fast it all ends, you know, and what are you going to do? Well, and I could say this, I, you don't advertise, but you sold a house. Well, help me purchase a house. Help me sell that same house. It's been close to 10 years now, probably right. still friends. So yeah, obviously oh, yeah. you're doing, yeah. you're doing it right. Yeah. Um, so if, if there's anything that I can say is, you know, I know you don't advertise, but you, you are one of the people that are the good guys. I appreciate you know, that. So I always appreciated that. Um, just kind of wrapping this up. So if I was wanting to start the real estate business today, be it an agent, I have zero experience. Would you make any recommendations as far as me reaching out to an existing brokerage house, a real estate firm, something just to start learning the ropes? Is, is that a, even a possibility? Um, I would say if you really, really, really want to do real estate, if you think, okay, I would be good at it. Um, there's probably somebody you know that's an agent. Probably. Just because I say there's so many agents, but there's probably somebody you know that I would maybe start picking their brain, figuring out, you know, how many deals do they do a year? How busy are they? How how successful are they? You may already know that. May, but if you can find someone that's, that's done, you know, a, a good amount of deals that has knowledge that could kind of maybe mentor you or guide you i think that would be your best bet to kind of getting going because they're going to be able to tell you wherever you live they're going to be able to tell you like hey you know this is a good brokerage to maybe look at or maybe this is a good brokerage to look at or maybe come to our brokerage you know and and then because you got to start kind of talking to somebody somewhere to get into something i mean it's just my, my situation was super different and it worked out for me i don't know how many people would do that and it would work out. I just, I, a lot of it's luck for me. A lot, a lot of everything I've done over the years when getting started in real estate was kind of lucky and timing 
And then I got out of stuff right before the market crashed. So like I've had, I've had, I've had luck as, as well as, you know, success, but um, you got to start somewhere and, and, you know, there's, there's always an agent out there, but yeah, I would say finding someone to mentor you and kind of start guiding you and then have a plan. Like, so if you're going to take the test, Hey, when I pass my test, I'm going to put my license under this broker or go out and start interviewing. I mean, there's nothing that says you can't go interview brokers. You may, you may not be, listen, you may not have any experience in it, but there's nothing that says you can't walk into a brokerage and go, Hey, I want to talk to you. I'm getting started in this business. I want to know what are you going to do for me? You know, how are you going to help me and, and make them tell you what they're going to do for you. Um, they may just, it may be a lot of talk. Just keep that in mind. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of promises, you know, in, in the real estate world from brokers about, Hey, come to our office and we're going to give you this amount of many leads and stuff. Like I told you, leads aren't, aren't going to pan out to a lot of money, but how's someone really going to take you under their wing and show you how to do, you know, show you how to do, you know, listing, um, listing appointments. How, how do you go into someone's house and, you know, tell them how, you know, how you're going to, you know, market their house or how you're going to, um, sell it for them. You know, how do you sell yourself to get the listing? Cause Dude, just keep using the same photographer you used to sell my house. Those <laughs> pictures were amazing. Yeah, well, they, you know, that's, that's a whole nother topic, but yeah, it's, you, there's, there's certain things about listing a house and that you got to have, you got to have the right things going to, to make the whole package work. And, and, photography is a huge one. You know, there's people that are, they'll have a photographer and he'll over filter it and you'll see a house on the internet and you'll walk in and you'll be like, wait, is this the same house? Because the, 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 the pictures are so over filtered that you walk in and you're like, this doesn't even look like the same house. This is things, this thing's a piece of junk. But, um, and I never did that. I just, I just made sure they're as clean as, <laughs> as clean as they could be like yours. I mean, they came out, they came out great. No, they did look at those pictures. <laughs> so no, I mean it, it getting started is the hardest part. Um, you know, I mean, anybody, anybody could reach out to me and I'll try to give them some ideas, especially in their Southern California. I, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know where, where these people are that are listening to this podcast or could be in different States, but, you know, start learning about, you know, the different brokerages in your area and who's good and read the reviews. I mean, you know, you, I'm not a big review guy, but you know, you can learn a lot by going on and reading reviews. I mean, there's always going to be those negative Nellies that are going to bash everybody, but right. you know, if you go on there and they're mostly, you know, you're hearing positive, 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 that's probably a pretty good place. You know, if you go on, you're seeing a bunch of, you know, they're, you know, they're shady or this is bad. They're not good. And then, you know, I would start. Sometimes there's a little bit of, when there's, there's a, a little bit of smoke. Yeah. Be, yeah. Be Especially if there's it. multiple people. Right. So, but you know, and then obviously you just got to study. I mean, you got to study. It's, it's not a fun test. It's not, it's not, fun stuff to study. It's, it's really not, it's not, it's not exciting. Real estate <laughs> stuff is not exciting to study, but you know, it is rewarding once you get the, once you get uh, the, the, the license and you actually start doing deals and, and it's very satisfying when you get to call your clients and say, Hey, we got our offer accepted. Or you get to call them and say, Hey, because escrow it recorded or you get to go take them the keys and you know, and all that stuff, it, it is rewarding. You go and it's a good feeling and, and then you, you get paid. Right. I mean, there's a lot of work. <laughs> there's another thing people always think just cause you know, I'll, I'll, my friends will always give me a hard time. I'll, oh, I got to go show, you know, five houses today. Oh, just making that money. No, I'm not making any money. Yeah. You don't understand. The reason I got to go show five houses because yeah. I'm trying to make yeah. money. So like, you know, I can show houses to someone. I, in fact, the last year I've had clients that I've showed houses to them for like six months, multiple over and over every weekend during the week. 
and we can't get an offer accepted. You just keep, and you're working and people understand your time, your gas, your stress level and your work, 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 work. And you don't get paid until that house, you know, records and escrow closes. So there's a lot of work involved in real estate. It's a, it is a great job, but it's a lot of work and, and it's, you know, it's not, it's, it's not easy. Well, I appreciate you coming on the, you said you don't advertise, but you mentioned if people want to reach out to you, what would be the way the easiest way to get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, anybody can just shoot me an email. Um, it's probably the easiest. Uh, um, Rob long realtor at gmail.com. It's probably easy. You just reach out. Say you heard me on the podcast. Got some questions. Need help. Um, listen, selling a house in Southern California. Um, be more than willing to help you there. If you, if you're looking for agents in, in the area you're in, um, I do have some outside contacts that I've referred people to. So Havasu, Prescott, Arizona, Tennessee, some places like that. So if you, if you're looking for somebody or if you're trying to get in the business and you want to pick that person's brain in that area, reach out to me, I'll put you in contact with them and, uh, you know, give you any advice or help that I can as, you know, if you're in, especially if you're law enforcement or military, uh, I'll, I go out of my way for, for all you guys and, and girls. So, um, yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you for taking your time to listen to the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed it. Not only is the podcast available on audio platforms, but you can also watch it on YouTube at the Transition Drill Podcast channel. Please subscribe for future episodes. The best way you can help the show is by getting the word out. If you think somebody else might enjoy it, I would appreciate it if you would share it with them. Also, if you have the time, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a rating. I welcome your feedback, both positive and negative. You can also go to the website, transitiondrillpodcast.com. And through the contact tab, send a message directly to my email with any comments or suggestions. Thank you again, and I hope you tune in for the next one.